Hi there, and welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're discussing chapters 7 through 9 of the Battle of the Labyrinth. You know, for having the title be called Battle of the Labyrinth, I have misspelled Labyrinth every single time I've typed it. I've gotten to the point where in my head I say Labyrinth as I type it, and that really helps me. Kind of like Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Okay, yeah. that's a good idea, because I'm just like, the Y will end up at the end. I, it, it's not yeah. logical at all, but I'm not a good speller to start off with, so I'm I'm a science person. I don't deal with writing. <laughs> I just know there's a Y in there somewhere, you know? <laughs> Even at one point, like, autocorrect was like, you idiot, like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's not even a word. <laughs> You're, like, putting, like, five different Y's in there. I know. You're, like, I'm going to get it right. (laughs) If I put a Y after every other word, it has to be correct at some point. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Honestly, Rick had to spell that word so many times in this book, he must have gotten real good at it. Or he just copied and pasted every time he needed to. (laughs) That's good. I have been having to do that lately because my E key on my (laughs) computer doesn't work anymore and so whenever I use my personal computer I just copy and paste ease please please I beg of you get your computer fixed it's I been know. years I it's know years. no it has not it's been about one year it started <laughs> at the beginning of the pandemic <laughs> well I have oh. a work computer so I'm like I guess I can use that but oh that's nice at least. but it's not very good I miss mm-hmm. my own computer I need to get it fixed oh god my trackpad on my mac stopped working in the room, right before no. i had a midterm in for computer science so i was how like hello are you gonna play stardew valley <laughs> how am i gonna take my final i was no like, no, no, no no that doesn't matter <laughs> i can't click things like i can tap to click but you can't to double click you need to do two fingers and even like the some of the the scrolling stuff and my idiot brain was just like i'm screwed like I, there's yeah. nothing i can do and i can't there's even go no to the solution. mac store because um i have my exam tomorrow and they're gonna, they're gonna it's gonna hard it's a hardware issue they're gonna have to take it in mm-hmm. uh ship it out and i'm like i'm screwed and i was on like support for like an hour and Ugh. my i was texting my friend victoria who's like very much technologically challenged and she's like why don't you just get a usb mouse and i was like oh my god i'm so dumb (laughs) you're like even she knew (laughs) i love that apple support didn't come up with that they were like i told them that it was suggested and they were like that is so smart and i was like why are you here yeah yeah and it fixed itself by uh, by itself oh good super frustrating after my exam yeah the computer just wanted you to be stressed and failure yeah. exam. Mm-hmm. It didn't want me to touch it anymore. I was like, I need a break yeah. from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need some space. All right, diving into the book. <laughs> it's a long one, so we're going to go straight into it. We're going deep into the labyrinth. And we're going to meet some new friends and maybe see some old ones. Ooh-hoo-hoo. So we got chapter seven, Tyson leads a jailbreak. In attempting to run from whatever creature was chasing them at the end of the last chapter, the gang finds themselves trapped in a prison cell. (laughs) They hear deep sobbing echoing throughout the building, and Tyson seems to recognize it, but he's kind of just like, no, it couldn't be. But he doesn't recognize sobbing. I couldn't ever recognize sobbing. Same. Same. 
I don't think I could recognize my own sobbing, you know? I think we just don't cry in front of other people or let people cry in front of us enough. Yeah, so that's that true. If someone yeah. starts crying, I just leave. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so Tyson doesn't tell them who he thinks this is. Instead, he grabs the cell bars and bends them and flees down the prison corridor. Annabeth, as they're, like, running down the corridor towards sobbing, is like, this is Alcatraz, <laughs> like tour guide Annabeth over here. Um, so somehow they've ended up in the Bay Area and they're like above ground now. Clearly the labyrinth isn't constricted to normal time and space. On the second floor balcony across the courtyard, they spot a monster that Percy describes as more horrible than anything I'd seen before, which is kind of rude to her, honestly. <laughs> So I'm just going to read, he goes on for a really long time. I'm just going to read what he says. It was sort of like a centaur with a woman's body from the waist up, but instead of a horse's lower body, it had the body of a dragon, at least 20 feet long, black and scaly with enormous claws and a barbed tail. Her legs looked like they were tangled in vines, but then I realized they were sprouting snakes, hundreds of vipers darting around, constantly looking for something to bite. The woman's hair was also made of snakes like Medusa's. Weirdest of all, around her waist, where the woman part met the dragon part, her skin bubbled and morphed, occasionally producing the heads of animals. A vicious wolf, a bear, a lion, as if she were wearing a belt of ever-changing creatures. I got the feeling I was looking at something half-formed, a monster so old it was from the beginning of time before shapes had been fully defined. I do have a lot of questions about how she produces the animals, I didn't write any of them down because it just, I just feel like a large question mark. She's got, I, and I kind of wish Rick had done like lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, that would have been <laughs> funny, but it's fine. It's a missed opportunity for him. But she's kind of cool, you know? But Percy is rude to her, says it's the ugliest thing he's ever seen, which valid, I guess. Tyson says, it's her, and clearly knows who this woman is. He can understand the language that she's speaking, which is an ancient tongue that Mother Earth used to speak to the Titans. How? I don't know. Explain to me. I don't know how he knows this. Well, is... Well, Tyson's a baby cyclops. Why would he know that? It's not like he, he lived was around in the streets, then. yeah. He... <laughs> is he did, did his fellow street cyclops speak this language? Maybe it's, like, ingrained in them, like, how Greek is ingrained in Percy, even though oh. Percy's kind of bad at it. <laughs> Honestly, though. Okay, that, I, I mean, know. I would accept that a little bit. Yeah, I accept that explanation. He's good at it. Yeah, because yeah. he fully understands what she's saying, and that's the only language she's speaking in. Um, it's, like, what Gaia used to speak to the Titans and her other children with. And Tyson's able also to channel her voice, which I always forget that he can do, and I think it's very creepy and also mm. underutilized. Um, and they find out that she's talking to someone named Briars. This dragon lady is called Campe, the Cyclops' worst nightmare. So tell me um, about her and her myth. Campe is super fun because, uh, again, there's, like, no writing about her. So mm. she's kind of, like, there's, like, one line in one play, and then I think everyone has just taken it and run. But um, she's a monster guard of Tartarus. She described, like, again, once, has only been described once. <laughs> in fact, like, she's been mentioned in other works. Like, Dionysus and Zeus are like, ah, there's the guard of Tartarus, Campe, and then fail to describe her. They're like, ah, there she is. Nice. <laughs> there she is. And she's there. She's a woman torso 
like all the way from torso up with a sea monster scale starting at her waist down and she just like is described as having various animal appendages just coming out of her just like <laughs> that's all it really is it's like that's just like a beak of- <laughs> I think people have imagined her being like like a dragon and then having like snake parts and having like a wolf leg and uh, like a wolf head suddenly come out of her. I like the idea that it's ever changing because that makes her less stupid. Mm-hmm. But she is in charge of guarding the hundred hand one and the cyclopses that Kronos has imprisoned. And the myth is basically Zeus gets a prophecy that in order to defeat his father, he needs the help of the hundred hand one and the cyclops. So he goes down to Tartarus, kills her and frees everyone. Which is also very funny because I'm just like, you wouldn't have done that. Okay, I have a couple questions, sorry. <laughs> First of all, Zeus is a dick. He wouldn't have yes. done that if he was like, oh, let them rot unless they're helpful to me. Yes. But aren't Cyclops like Poseidon's children? Why Why isn't he helping them if they're in prison? See, that's what I thought. But are they all Poseidon's children? Like, in Percy Jackson, it's implied that, but I don't actually know where the Cyclops comes from in mythology. Like, if they're all Poseidon. But regardless, Poseidon doesn't care about his children. Oh, that's true. We know this. He kind of cares about Percy. But I think it's only because Percy's done cool stuff. I mean, he claimed Tyson, but that was for the convenience of Percy, so. That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She seems like a lot. With the animal appendages coming out of her. I kind of like to imagine, like, the most useless one, like a beak. Or, like, a foot. (laughs) It's like a human foot, just, like, with painted toes for some reason. (laughs) No, just human heads coming out of her. (laughs) That would be so alarming. You're like, is that my mom? (laughs) (laughs) So, when Tyson brings up who she is. Annabeth recalls that when the Titans ruled, Campi imprisoned Cyclops and um, she calls them their proper name. Of course. Hecaton Caharis, which I know I pronounced wrong. And then Percy has an aneurysm because that is the longest word he's ever heard. Yeah, he says the hecka what? (laughs) Which (laughs) also like, I would also be like, can you please just say what it it is in English? Thank Mm. you. Um, these are the hundred-handed ones. They are the elder brothers of the Cyclops, Cyclopes, which is what this Briars guy is. In fact, Tyson is a huge fan of Briars, so they decide to go check it out and see what's going on. They approach the cell and see a very sad creature inside, crying a lot. He has fairly huge- and also Tyson describes Briars as, like, this giant hundred-handed creature, but Percy's surprised to see that he's, like, pretty small. He has a fairly human lower looking lower body, but the top half sprouts a hundred arms from the chest, back, sides, etc. Which is I just don't really like that visual of an arm spreading out of the chest. I just like me. also the square footage of like <laughs> where your chest and your torso is not enough for a hundred arms unless they're like super I'm assuming these arms are buff. Like they have a little bit of meat on them. So where do they have room? They're like growing out of each other. I do. It doesn't make sense. Therefore, they must be really small, small arms and small hands for them to fit. So, is it better to have a hundred weak arms or two really buff arms? This is the I would gym say bro motto. This is the the gym bro. <laughs> I mean, I would personally rather just have two arms. They don't even have to be buff. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> a true. lot of arms to take care of. Then again, I do have carpal tunnel and 
my wrist, so maybe maybe those <laughs> ones wouldn't. <laughs> oh, God. Briars immediately tells them to run while they still can, but Tyson insists that Briars can break out since he's a hundred-handed one and he can do anything. But Briars has basically given up on life and accepted that the Titans are back and he's imprisoned. Tyson breaks the bars for Briars, who is absolutely terrified and traumatized by Campe, which makes sense because he was, like, in prison for thousands of years or whatever by her, yeah. and now he, and then he broke free, and, like, now he's back there again. That's a lot of PTSD. And he doesn't want to follow them. Percy, using, this is just, a, this moment was something that I had erased from my memory, and I'll probably in erase general? it again. Yes, so, well, Percy decides that the way to get out of the situation is to challenge Briars to a game of rock, paper, scissors. Okay. If Briars wins, they'll leave him alone. If he loses, he comes with them. They do rock, paper, scissors, and Percy makes a gun. <laughs> <laughs> to beat rock, paper, scissors. It's the exact thing all the annoying kids in elementary school used to do. And just be like, nothing beats a gun. <laughs> It's like that scene in Friends where, like, Joey does the fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, the fire beats them. Yep. Yeah. And it just, this cracked me up, and I completely forgot about this bit, and I will probably forget about it again, because it's so stupid. <laughs> and I love it, but it's so stupid. And also, this is apparently a trick that Paul Blofus taught him, which I'm like, were they just hanging out talking about rock, paper, scissors technique? No, 100% Bl- Paul Blofish is like, Hey, can we, like, do you can you like, do dishes? I like that you just called him Blowfish. I think that should be his real name. I think it's I boring that it's Blowfish. I agree. But um, then he's like, oh, can, Percy, can you do the dishes? Pulls this trick on him like a, the weird uncle at a family reunion. And <laughs> Percy just, like, he's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever learned. <laughs> yes. He's like, I'm going to use this on everything. <laughs> oh, because Paul's told Percy, apparently, gun beats everything. Which I was like, you know, it could beat guns. Gun laws. Am I right? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Just saying. If I was playing Percy in Rock, Paper, Scissors, I'd be like, well, here's a gun law. Well, here's legislation. That should be instituted in the U.S., but we are broken. (laughs) Ooh, getting political. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Everything's broken. Briars reluctantly accepts this defeat. He's like, you crazy to me. (laughs) He's like an ancient monster and he's just like you got me (laughs) good one does he even know what a gun is probably not has he ever seen a gun no and he calls percy a cheater but then he just gets up and follows them and is like i guess i've lost but because they can't have nice things campo finds them she has these super long scimitars that are poison which is pretty cool and Tyson urges Briars to fight her, and Briars is just like, no. Like, this woman has been imprisoning me for thousands of years, and he, like, Percy says it looks like he gets smaller and he cowers. So then they're just like, uh, well, we're gonna run. And Tyson volunteers to distract Campi while they, Campy, Campe? I don't know. I messed it up there, but that's fine. Well, they run ahead. Poison apparently doesn't kill Cyclops, and he says that he'll meet them back in the labyrinth. So Grover spots the mark of Daedalus, they touch it, and the stone entrance grinds open. Briars, Annabeth, and Grover all go through while Percy waits for Tyson. He smacks Campe in the face with his shield. Um, Tyson and Percy dive into the maze and seal the entrance, and they're back in the darkness. Hey, Aaron. Yes. What the fuck is a scimitar? 
A scimitar. Scimitar? 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 Is it a sword? It's like those swords that are like, I think they're curved. Do you just know? Do you just have this knowledge? Do you look at that word and say, I know what this is? Yeah, they're the curved sword. No, but did you just know this? Yeah, and I'm honestly not sure how I know this. (laughs) I am someone who's obsessed with swords. How do you know this? I don't know. This is a role reversal here. Mm. Yeah, they're the curvy swords. Like the, the, like the, okay, I'm sorry. Like people will wield like two of them often. And they're like swooshy. Oh, I thought you curvy swords. I thought you were like, like, they, like Arab, Middle Eastern fighting swords that I've seen. Oh, you're a sword expert? I'm the sword expert. But you don't know what it's called. This is the kind that the Lego guy holds. These are the Lego ones, aren't they? Yeah. Lego guy. Like, you know, in Lego, there's a guy. You mean the Lego movie? No, like in general Lego. Like if you get a sword in Lego, it always looks Are they like curvy? This. What's yeah, they're always they're curvy. broken. No. Now I'm like, like now I'm video? on. Oh no, this was widespread. The scimitar originated in the Middle East. Um, oh, okay. And it says the curved sword or scimitar was widespread throughout the Middle East from at least the Ottoman period until the age of smokeless powder firearms. So maybe you were thinking of the same sword. I think I, I think I was thinking more curved than this. Like, this is not curved. No, this is pretty curved. They're, they can be pretty curvy. Yeah. They're pretty cool. I love the idea that, like, poor, like, British people are, like, using straight swords. And this one guy comes <laughs> with a curved sword and he's like, I bent the metal and now I'm the strongest man here. And they're just like, oh, shit, we gotta get ourselves those. It's like, how did he make that? The, the physics behind it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we just went through that educational lesson on swords. Yeah, together. Now everyone knows what a scimitar is. Mm. Have you, my, one of my notes was, have you ever been to Alcatraz? That's not a note, no. that's a question. Okay, same. No. Same, and I don't understand why it's a tourist attraction, because it's like a prison that was terrible. I have but, been to um, the prison in Philly. Okay. I don't what remember is what that? it's called. Is it notable for something? Yes. It, it, I feel like every single prison has housed What's-His-Face once. Whomst? Ugh, what's the, the famous Bunny? No. Oh. <laughs> like, in the ancient, like, not ancient, what's his name? Chicago guy. What? Oh, Al Capone? Al Capone. He was there. Mm. And it's, like, it's a, mostly for the ghosts. I think a pretty, like, a touring the really old... The ghost aspect is cool. But touring really old prisons are really important because a lot of those That's prisons true. are filled with people who, like, one, shouldn't have been there or, you know, if they were there, had, like, the way that they constructed the building, the way they used it, a lot of the politics around it. I like this, the prison that I toured, which I'll tell you the name of in a second... Um, because they had a huge, like, updated section, which it was talking mm-hmm. about, like, the unfair rate of incarceration for people of color and, like, mm. all of that stuff. There's a whole educational section there. That's cool. Is it but, not, it's not, like, still a prison? Oh, no, no. It hasn't okay, been okay. used in, like, since, like, the 70s? Oh, I have no... You know, if we're going through the, uh, informational section, I cannot tell you a single thing about it. Philadelphia Prison Tour. <laughs> what is it called? The Eastern State Penitentiary Historic Site. Okay. Okay. I think I might have just <laughs> suddenly changed my opinion on it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> because I just realized that it is the same, like, 
it, it kind of depends. I think it's some people like go to prisons for like the fun novelty and the people who like take pictures there. Like if you've ever taken a picture there, I'm not personally judging you. Just think about your actions, you know, because it feels a little like weird. And I was just thinking like it is the same vibe as like people who take pictures at Auschwitz. You know, like selfies. It's a little weird. But I do think oh, I've changed my mind because it's like it is a like it is important that we like have it's just so weird in America because like our prisons are still just as terrible. But yeah. it is important to have like standing monuments to to witness things that have happened because like I've been to concentration camps in Europe and that was like they they do a better job in certain parts of Europe of being more honest with their history and keeping aspects from their history like like visually visibly like monuments and stuff whereas here we just pretend things didn't happen and put up statues of confederate soldiers so. <laughs> yeah also i mean this this penitentiary was horrible like the the prison yeah. cell was like maybe a four by four oh. and it's just like it there was no windows. It was completely cement. It's like stuff like that where it's very historic. It's very interesting. It's the same thing as maybe like visiting a catacomb where you have all yeah. this historic architecture and very important history behind it. It's just in the house. I think during the Halloween times, it turns into a haunted like, <laughs> like oh, go yeah. to see the ghosts, which makes sense because there's a lot of belief that there are ghosts there. Oh, they're fully, I fully believe that places like that are have ghosty energy yeah well half of the people died not from like anything violent but from disease so true yeah Mm -hmm. i'm glad that we link immediately changed your mind yeah yeah i i think i was focused on people who go to it as like a fun tourist attraction i find that really weird yeah and i think that the way like some people are like oh are you gonna go to alcatraz if you're in like the bay area and it's kind of like I mean, I don't feel like that's a fun thing to do. It's, like, an educational thing to do. You know? Like, when I, when I, like, true story, when I visited Auschwitz, I saw people taking selfies, and I was like, this is, what? Most people weren't, but I saw one couple, and I was like, what? What? Well, it's not the place. <laughs> didn't, um, what's, like, what in that book... Fault in the in our stars. Didn't they like make out? In, yeah, in which is like really bad taste. Honestly, like I thought it was cute when I read it as uh, like oh, no. thirteen, but now I'm like that is in poor taste. That was not the place. Wait till you get outside. The <laughs> you cannot be that horny, please. Please wait till you get outside. And mm. everyone clapped. And we are very off topic. Um, <laughs> We've been doing this all day. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. My uh, only other note is I, I do, I'm like, never meet your heroes. Am I right, Tyson? <laughs> like, that kind of sucks that he, like, um. idolized this dude and now he's weak. But also, like, it, it, I understand why he's, like, weak because he's been, like, abused. And I don't think Tyson really understands that and doesn't mm-hmm. understand why he's the way he is. But, Yeah. Let's go into your chapter and um, okay. spend some more time with Briars. Like a long time. Briefly. <laughs> a long chapter, right? Yeah. Get ready for my voice. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chapter 8, we visit the Demon Dude Ranch. Mm. Percy, his chapter <laughs> names. I like how I'm like, Percy Jackson himself has written that chapter. Yeah. Name. Like, Rick had nothing to do with it. Rick channeled his spirit. <laughs> Alright, so they finally, so they're running through the maze and they finally stop in a room full of waterfalls. Percy can see that there seems to be no bottom in the pit that the water's all running into. And Brary's just kind of like, explains in his Eeyore way. He's like, oh, that pit leads straight to Tartarus. I might as well just jump in there and save you all the time and the effort and blah. And I was like, he's such an Eeyore. And I remember reading it as a child and being like, this is like so frustrating and sad. As an adult, it's kind of comical. Like, it it's is. like when I burnt rice when I was trying to cook it like in college and I went and laid on my roommate's couch and I was just like, no one will marry me. I can't even cook rice. <laughs> It's like the same level of unnecessary drama. Yes. (laughs) Tyson tries to hype his hero up and asks him about his brothers. Apparently he has some really cool brothers that also defeated the Titans. But Briar says that they have faded. Grover then explains to a clueless Percy that even monsters and gods disappear if they become forgotten. Percy... Tries to get Briars on their side by explaining he's like he tells everything that's happened, Luke's plan, camp, and uh, Briars like that sounds hopeless. Count me out. I can't help you. And Percy kind of gets irritated, and his pep talk is like maybe that's why monsters fade. Maybe it's not about what the mortals believe. Maybe it's because you give up on yourselves. And I remember reading that as a child, and I was like, yeah, because I'm very much like Percy as a human being with this, like one train, like must keep going, cannot have time for feelings kind of mind. But as mm-hmm. an adult, I'm like, hey, both can be true. You yeah. can fade because like you don't believe, you give up on yourself, but you could also fade because you give up on yourself because nobody else believes in you. Like Percy, mm-hmm. like it's not exclusive. Mm-hmm. Also, obviously that pep talk doesn't work, and Briar's like just leaves. He's like, bye and Tyson just like cries because his hero is completely disappointing which is absolutely sad mm-hmm. the squad finds a corridor to camp in and get some rest Percy apologizes to Tyson for losing his shield but Tyson says he can make another one and if Briars had stepped in like he was supposed to Percy would not have had to use his shield and then had lost it either Tyson eventually falls asleep but now Percy can't, so he goes to hang out with Annabeth, who's on watch. Annabeth feels horrible about how this is only the first day, by the way. This is only day one of their quest. Ooh. She's like, it's gone really bad. And there's a whole scene where Percy's just, like, gazing at her, which I kind of adored, where he's, like, staring at her, and he sees, like, her face is smudged with dirt, and she looks kind of run down. He's like... This is what she probably looked like when she was on the run with Talia and Luke all those years ago. And he's like, wow, like, she's such a brave kid. Like, she's got so much guts. And he's just, like, just gazing at her with so much love and affection. I'm like, Percy, get a clue. God. so cute. 
she basically says that she wishes that this quest was at least logical. Like, there's no science, there's no physics to it. She's like, I could have studied for 30,000 years and still come in completely blind. And Percy comforts Annabeth. He's like, hey, you've gotten us out of scarier situations. He reminds her of Cersei's island when he was a guinea pig. And Annabeth is, like, chilling for a few minutes, but then she starts probing him about what Hera said. She's like, hey, do you know actually know how to guide, you know, us through the maze? And Percy's like, I don't think so, but maybe if I knew the rest of the prophecy, I could have more information. I could figure it out. And Annabeth's like, no, sorry, I can't do that. Bye. <laughs> Percy suddenly remembers Nico and, like, the fact that Nico's down in the labyrinth somewhere and that he's coming after Percy and he's just like talking to Annabeth about it he's like he's here somewhere and I know he's coming after me like we have to do something um and that's kind of keeping up Percy up at night and Annabeth is clearly exhausted so Percy says I'll take over the watch and go go to bed and then when it's his turn to sleep of course he has dreams so he just basically dreams of the story of Icarus, but I loved the point of view of it. So this is just like a quick rundown. He's in the old man's labyrinth prison, and the young boy is now a teenager. Percy notices the prison looks more like a workshop, and it has an opening that faces the sky, which he's like, is it worse that he has the ability to see the sky? Because now it's just taunting him. At least if he was, like, covered up, he'd just, like, never know time has passed. And I was like, I don't know. As someone who has had an office with and without a window, I like the window. <laughs> For some reason, I always picture, like, the tower they're in as the one from Game of Thrones that Tyrion is trapped in. Oh, I was thinking Rapunzel. Rapunzel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I say vibe, right? Two different. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. One, you can um, very easily fall to your death. The other yeah. has flowers. I know. And like a beautiful, if you just grow your hair long enough, you can just yeah. simply jump out. Easy. Yeah. Easy. The old man announces that he's done with his project and holds up huge, beautiful metal wings. The, the man and his son, who he calls Icarus, attach the wings to themselves and like essentially hot glue gun it is how uh, Percy describes <laughs> it. And uh, this is obviously Daedalus. Um, and Percy recognizes it's Daedalus too. He just doesn't in the dream ever call him Daedalus for some reason. Anyway, he says the wax should hold for several hours as long as they let it, it has time to set and they should avoid flying too low or too high because the salt of the sea and the heat of the sun would melt the wax. And Icarus clearly has an understanding. He's like, I, you've told me this a thousand times, dad. I totally understand. Like, you don't have to tell me again. And I'm like, huh, maybe you should tell you one more time. I don't know. (laughs) They are about to test out their wings when the guards break down the door. King Minos got wind of their escape, and the pair is like, huh, sucks to suck, and they jump out of the window. Unfortunately, like many of us know, Icarus gets too excited. He starts flying erratically, and the wings start falling apart, and Icarus falls to his death. Percy, like, wakes up, and he still he thinks he can hear Daedalus, like, screaming for his son as he falls to his death. And can I just, like, go straight to my notes to this? Because I was just like... I, you and I have talked about this where we've had to read so many interpretations and poems and shit about mm-hmm. Icarus, but I liked this one the best out of yeah. any, like, because all of the ones that we've learned in school and would push on to us was very much like Icarus was too prideful. Why Icarus, didn't our AP lit teacher make us read Percy Jackson? Because she has no taste, clearly. Mm-hmm. Well, Icarus is like, 
was too prideful. He wasn't thinking clearly. He got too excited. He had a taste of freedom and couldn't control himself. And then you have it from the point of view of a father grieving and where he's just like mm-hmm. helpless. Like he, the reason his son is in this mess is because of him and his choices. And he's finally created something. And the way that Icarus looks at him is like, you are incredible. Your inventions will never fail me. And even the way Percy describes Daedalus is like, Daedalus looks at Icarus like he is the greatest thing he's ever created and he's like the love of his life. And he is helpless in watching. This is essentially 15, 14-year-old fall because he's so excited to finally, after years of being in prison for most of his life, I don't know. It's just like, it, like you and I talked about, it's the grief that gets mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. it's like Percy fixates on that instead. And I think that also, we'll see it later, really changes his perspective. And I think also the way he interacts with maybe future Daedalus, if that happens. Who knows? I'm not saying anything. What? Daedalus yeah, is things. still alive? <laughs> Crazy. Awkward. So once everyone wakes up, they start again through the maze. Annabeth is getting more frustrated because the maze turns into a mine rather than saying the ancient Greek stone that she thought was like, yes, we've done it. We're getting there. They come across a giant pit with a cheeseburger wrapper and Grover's like, that smells like the underword. And Percy deduces that Nico was here summoning the dead. Percy suddenly starts panicking. He feels this urgency to find Nico. He's like, he's so close and he's in this labyrinth alone. Like we've seen what it's done to like a monster like Briar's like, what could it possibly do to Nico? I have to find him. So he just bolts and he runs after where he thinks Nico is gone. And he finds himself on a ranch with an open sky and like um, a cow that's bright red and says hanging out by the fence. Percy remembers Hera said something about a ranch. And he's like, listen, this is the right direction. We should go here. Nico's here. And Hera said something about it. So we should go. And Annabeth's like, fine, let's move our quest this way. Annabeth explains that the red cows are the sacred cows of Apollo. Holy cow. (laughs) And as they're kind of staring at the cow, a dog with two heads charges at them, clearly unhappy that they're on its property. A man comes out of the woods. He's a huge man with an old face, but he's dressed like a real, like a kind of rednecky is how it's described. And he's super buff. And it's like all kinds of a paradox all wrapped in one. He introduces himself as Yuriton. Sure. The son of Aries. Yeah, sure. I'm like, as soon as you add like a U and a Y and an mm-hmm. E all together, I'm like, okay, whatever. It's too much for my dumb American brain. I know, right? <laughs> he's like, I know you're half-bloods because I'm also a half-blood. I'm the son of Aries. And he's like, there's the other half-blood already came here earlier. And he's like, Nico, Nico's here like, like a dog. <laughs> and he advises them to go back into the maze because he's like, a lot of half-bloods come here and they don't leave. Just like, I'm giving you a heads up. And they're like, we can't leave until we see Nico. And so they give him, they walk down to the ranch house, and on their way to the ranch, Percy notices a herd of five breathing horses, and Yuritan explains that they breed animals for a variety of clients, but he doesn't get much more into it, which is fishy, he's like, clearly clients are of different backgrounds. He says, okay, the rules are no fighting, no drawing weapons, and no making fun of the boss's appearance. And the boss in question is described looking like a western villain, like an old western villain with a pencil mustache and he has three bodies so it's just like three chests but he has two arms and two legs and his name is Geron 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 I always say Garyon <laughs> Gary let's call him Gary Gary Garyon sounds better than Geron <laughs> <laughs> 
Garyon is their boss, and he's clearly, even his vibe is just an essential villain. Before they can talk to him, though, Nico comes out of the ranch house, sees Percy, and pulls out his weapon, breaking the rule, the, the one of three rules. And he thinks Percy and his like friends are here to kill him. He's like, you killed my sister, and he's here to kill me too. And it was like, clearly Nico has the wrong information. Percy notices that Nico looks thinner and more awful than before. Like, he clearly hasn't been eating. And I'm like, it's grief, Percy. That's Mm -hmm. what it is. Gary Young is like, hey, no weapons. Put it away or else my man's going to come and intervene. So he's like, forces essentially Nico and Percy to interact without immediately fighting, which I don't think they're either are used to very much. Mm -hmm. Um, He's like, hey, let's do a tour of my ranch. And he's, like, showing them his huge variety of animals, including endangered ones that he sells as meat. And Annabelle's like, hey, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Grover's obviously upset, and so is everyone else. Percy realizes the Quintons actually got his scorpions from this ranch, and Garyon doesn't admit to it. He's like, oh, like, the guy with the scruffy hair and the short guy, like, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I've never heard of him. <laughs> Garyon shows them his prize stables. It's covered in filth, and that's where he keeps his flesh-eating horses. And he's like, oh, I haven't cleaned it in a long time. And Yurita's like, because you're lazy and you don't care. And Garyon's like, it doesn't matter. My clients pay me top money, um, and money is money. So everyone is in agreement that Garyon high-key sucks. And he even admits that he applies to Kronos, like money is money. And I was like, okay, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Garyon's Jeff Bezos. More like Gary Bezos. Gary Bezos, my boy. <laughs> Nico's not amused. He's like, I'm here for a different task. I need to be guided with the soul I'm looking for. And Percy's like, what do you mean looking for a soul? I'm your soul that you're looking for. <laughs> and it's so funny because Nico's like look, looks over and is completely baffled that Percy's making this about himself. He's like, this is not about you. Why, why would it be you? And Percy has like a moment where he realizes that everything's not about him only for a second he's like everything becomes about him again so it's not about you percy he also says the ghost who's been advising him is minos and percy is very upset because clearly from his dream minos is not a good guy but instead of giving the information that nico wants garyon explains that lucas put a bounty on half-bloods and he's turning nico in but not percy in the squad because someone has paid good money to make sure they pass through safely Percy's like, okay, what about another trade? I'll clean the flesh-eating horse's stable that apparently hasn't been cleaned in a thousand years and you let all of us go free, and especially Nico. And the rancher agrees because he's like, you're probably going to die anyway, so it doesn't really matter to me. And I'll give you two until sunset. Cool. Made it through that big chapter. Yeah, sorry. I started like really summarizing near the end. I was like, oh God, I can't do this. <laughs> And I got through my notes, I guess, mostly. I did say that Brary's, uh, Briars, I change it every second. Go for it. Just like Campe's stomach animals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's depressing. I also think it's, like, the idea that the whole series, it kind of, like, in series of unfortunate events, you have these kids who have to take on so much responsibility, and every single time they think they find a competent adult, they just end up so disappointing. Mm. That's like the, so, yeah. The okay. gods are constantly disappointing. They're like, well, I can't intervene, but you have to do it for me. And Chiron is like, you know, there but barely. And Dionysus could do so much more, but doesn't. 
And it's just constant disappointment where these 14-year-olds are like, okay, I guess we'll do it ourselves. Yeah. That's, I mean, uh, it's kind of like all the adult figures in this book and this series are just like giant children who say they're not acting like children and they know better, but they're really just as dumb and rude. More dumb and rude than the actual children. Mm-hmm. Is that what we are as adults? No, are we're we baby just... adults. That's true. We're not dumb and rude yet. <laughs> we will become that. It's like a guarantee. Yeah. But right now we have enough um, intelligence to remember what it was like to be a teenager and have that yeah. responsibility. We're I like mean, still cool with the Zoomers. <laughs> I mean, ideally, we go to therapy and we don't let ourselves become that child true. adult version. But... That it may not always be possible. So, you know, it's waiting for us. That's true. Well, I hope it isn't. <laughs> I hope that I don't become... I mean, it'd be cool to become a god. But, you know. <laughs> but at what cost? At what cost? <laughs> we destroy the youth. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, chapter nine. I scoop poop. Classic, classic kids chapter title. Are you okay? That was a lot funnier than I, and I took a sip of water, and I'm like choking a little bit. Your reaction right now is the exact reaction Rick intended for eight-year-old boys, so. I am an eight-year-old boy, don't you understand? I do, I do. I love it. I I scoop poop. Oh no, the poop jokes. The poop jokes. Well, 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 Percy heads into the stalls to uh, scoop poop. Horse poop. (laughs) Horses with pointed teeth like a bear's, which I thought was kind of a weird analogy, or that's not an analogy, simile. I know things. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't normally think of bears when I think of teeth, I think of their claws, you know? So I googled bear teeth and they're pretty cool. But there are some funny pictures of bears with their mouths, like, wide open, showing their teeth, and it made me laugh. Like, I know it's vicious and it could kill me, but they just look funny. Anyways, <laughs> that was just a weird insight into my brain while I was writing these notes. I was like, what do bears' teeth actually look like? Anyway, just picture that on a horse. So Percy has the special ability to talk to horses, so therefore he can hear them all talking about how much they want to eat him which is so kind. They also call him seafood, which I find very funny. Percy is like, well, Hercules cleaned the stalls by channeling a river into the stables, which is like a rare moment where Percy remembers the myth. Any myth? Like, did Annabeth whisper it to him? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised. How did Hercules channel a river? He's not Poseidon's I kid. honestly don't know. Hmm. I think he maybe he convinced the naiad because Percy tries sense. to convince. I, that's probably what happened. Yeah. So Percy's like, I guess I'll do that too. So he heads toward the river, which is almost half a mile away, and he's like, I don't think I can make it travel this far. Hopefully, I can. At the river, he meets a naiad who is immediately like, No, do not use my water to clean that filthy stable. Not again. And she says that the last boy who asked her to do this, who was much better looking than Percy, convinced her, and it was the worst decision she ever made. So there, we just answered your question. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. She doesn't want her little fishies to die. Percy notes that she reminds him of Rachel Elizabeth Dare, the way she's yelling at him, and I'm like, does Percy have a thing for women who yell at him? Like, He's like, this reminds me of my mom. Like, that's really hot. 
I think he does. Like Annabeth, Rachel, and uh, <laughs> this Nyad. <laughs> Percy is like, well, I'm not going to be a jerk and force you to give me your water. So he just is kind of like, okay, well, you said no, so I'm not going to take it. But then he does tell her, he's like, I do need some kind of way to clean the stables because otherwise my friends will be sold to the Titans. So she's like, scoop up some dirt. And he's like, what? And she's like, there are petrified seashells in the dirt. And she tells Percy that even when she's out of water, water is within her. And the same applies to him. So back at the stables, Percy throws the shell into the poop. And like for a second, nothing happens. And he's like, great. And then from where it landed, a tiny spurt of water shoots out of the muck. He commands the water to get bigger and bigger. And then boom, there's seawater in the middle of a Texas ranch. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and Percy feels this tugging sensation in his gut as he taps into his power more and more. And when he tries to stop it, like, the horses are all begging him to stop. At first, nothing happens, and he, like, kind of can't stop it. And he has to use all of his focus to get it to stop, and he's totally exhausted afterwards. Percy demands that the horses stop eating people, or else he'll be back with more water. (laughs) He's, like, waterboarded these horses into giving up their meat source i know he's like become a vegetarian please (laughs) he heads back to the ranch to see gary on barbecuing and tyson grover annabeth and nico all tied up in the corner predictably gary on doesn't want to hold up his end of the deal even though percy cleaned the stables he still wants his money and plans to sell them Garyon asks Yuriton to kill Percy, but in a turn of events, Yuriton is like, nah, man, I don't want to do your dirty work anymore. This job sucks. Like, I'm not unionized, you know? And <laughs> Garyon tries to attack Percy himself. He's like, fine, I'll do it. But Percy gets him real good in the chest with one of the barbecue skewers. But unfortunately, Garyon has three chests, three hearts, you know? So Percy runs inside, grabs the bow and arrow, prays to Apollo and Artemis, and then shoots. And it's successful. Apollo and Artemis must be like, we like this kid. And so Garyon collapses to the ground and turns into sand. Percy then returns and unties his friends. Percy encourages Urition, Urition, whatever, Mm -hmm. to change things around the farm while Garyon is off reforming, because apparently he takes a year to reform. He's like, be nice to the animals. Take care of them. Stop selling them. Stop dealing with the titans. And then, like, the animals will like you, and they might help you fight Garyon when he comes back, and you can be your own boss. Sounds like he's selling, like, a multi-level marketing (laughs) scheme where it's like, be your own boss. You can do it with this three-step plan. I make $3,000 a month. Come home. I fired my boss and became my own. (laughs) Percy encourages Nico to just stay on the farm. He's like, just stay here. Don't go anywhere. Don't get hurt. It's fine. And Nico's like, no. And he's like, I'm busy. I have my own quest. It's not about you, Percy, again. And he's like, I want to go bring Bianca back. And Percy's like, no, no. No, Nico. And he's like, Bianca wouldn't want that. And he tells Nico that they should just summon her and ask her if she wants that. Um, And Nico's like, that hasn't worked for me so far. And Percy realizes in that moment that it's Bianca who's been sending him the iris messages of Nico. And so he says to Nico, try again. Got a feeling she'll answer with me here, which is kind (laughs) of a dick move. Like, I know he probably doesn't say it as pompously as I just read it but it's kind of a dick move to be like your sister won't answer to you but like me it's about me again like I'm sorry that the focus has shifted to you but we're gonna bring it back to me let's circle back here to Mm -hmm. me to me (laughs) the chapter ends with them all agreeing to go dig a hole and summon the dead 
Um, so that is the end, and the, my notes are that I do enjoy that Percy was not able to control his powers here. I think that's, like, that's just exciting that he's, like, getting powerful and can't control it. I like when heroes, like, struggle with their powers a bit mm-hmm. instead of just, like, instantly mastering them. I also um, like the idea, like, I wish they had explored his powers a little bit more. Like, I know he's, like, supposed to be a good fighter and this and that, and he, like, but he doesn't, until the Heroes of Olympus and near the end of the Heroes of Olympus, he doesn't really explore all he can do with his powers. That's true. And when he does, it kind of freaks him out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is kind of, like, a tiny bit, like, a taste of that, of, like, he's more powerful than he typically allows himself to be or tries mm-hmm. to be. My other note is that I love that Percy doesn't steal the water from the Naiad, and he, like, doesn't beg her or anything. Like, he's just kind of like, okay, like, you said no, it, you don't want to hurt your fish, I get it. And that's nice. And he finds another way instead of, like, ruining the natural resources. People I mean, should just be like that, you know? If someone's like, don't ruin my pond, go find your own pond, you know? <laughs> don't build a pipeline. Oh, that's awesome. oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um... We're getting spicy. It's <laughs> just spicy today. I just have a, I'm late. I have a lot of opinions. Yeah. I also just like the fact that they kept consistent. Like, the whole chapter and this whole book is a lot about wildlife and yes. the environment. So if he did that, then we we'll just... We wouldn't trust him anymore. Yeah. And also, yeah, with how he's like, be nice to the animals, be nice yeah. to the environment. Like, let's get better. All right. Are you ready for the lightning bolt questions? Sure. Okay. It's kind of a two-in-one. Which farm animal would you think is the would be the funniest, and then which would be the scariest if they love to eat flesh? Okay, so like a funny flesh-eating farm animal specifically. A chick, a baby chicken. That a would baby be chicken, like a chick, the little yellow guys. But you want to specify the the, the baby. Yeah, they grow out. <laughs> they become vegetarians as adults. Specific, I mean, like, a, a flesh-eating chicken would be kind of funny, but chickens, like, I don't know, I feel like they could be kind of freaky. I feel like beans. a goose would be fun, just because yeah. I already feel like they should eat flesh. Honestly, they should. Yeah. That would be that would be fun for them. <laughs> we, just, we just created, like, some strange baby chickens and goose that eat flesh. <laughs> eat flesh. I love this. That's, this is what's on our farm. Yeah, our special farm. And we're nice to them, so they yeah, work for us. Yeah. Exactly. They eat only the people we want them to. But yes. slowly, because they're not strong. Yeah, because they're st- What would be the scariest? Oh. Um, I'm trying to, like, go through farm animals in my mind. I do think a horse would be scary. Mm-hmm. I don't mess with horses. And, like, a cow could probably mess you up. Yeah, they're big. Like, if it had, if it had the drive. I, like, watched this Russian horror movie a long time ago on accident, and it was just like, I don't remember what happens, but at one point, a bunch of pigs eat this man alive, and so I think that would be very scary. I don't know. I don't remember the context of the, the movie was weird. It's like, dealt with time, and, like, it was, like, a horror house in the middle of nowhere. Anyway, pigs would be (laughs) very scary. That would be concerning. They could, especially a big pig. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're trapped in a tower or a maze and you're a builder. I'm going to give you some options of things that you oh. can build. You can build wings, a glider, you can get a rope, or you can build something else if you're creative enough. What would you choose? You know what? Glider would be nice. I do feel like I'd be more likely to choose a rope 
but I'd be afraid they'd see me going down mm -hmm. like a ladder. Um, I think my main thing would be building a disguise first so that when I do yeah. escape, no one recognizes me. Because Icarus and Daedalus's problem is they had to fly so far to get away. If they yeah. had just flown a little and then like put a mask on, they could have walked around town, you know, caught a boat. Yeah, what is Minos going to do? Follow them into the marketplace? Like, yeah. yeah, He doesn't go to the market. No, someone else does that. Yeah. He Uber eats it. He Uber <laughs> eats it. <laughs> yeah, so like rope and then disguise. So it makes, oh, yeah. the glider short distance not to the ocean because you know yeah. that wings mm -hmm. aren't going to last that long. So just short distance. Yeah. Yeah. What would you, is that what you would pick? Yeah, and then I'm inspired by you. I was going to say I would, um, multiple like a rope and then a boat like i would have plans Ooh, yeah a boat would be good place. yeah all right last question you have an extra body part what would it be be appropriate oh ma'am okay <laughs> i will be appropriate um i don't want extra i mean like the see i feel like i would benefit from extra hands but it wouldn't necessarily be good for me because i like try to do too many things at once and that mm -hmm. would just like encourage me you know you know what would be interesting an extra bladder you're then I wouldn't totally have to pee right. all the time. Yeah, and it could be somewhere else, maybe, like yeah. in my foot. I've always thought that it would be much cooler if we could pee out of our feet. Out of your so the, yeah, the, is the pee getting not stored in your foot? It's actually also coming out of your. Yeah, I think okay. that would be and like if there was no like no privacy like you could just like you know if you're like on a hike you don't have to do the whole like finding privacy and taking your you could just take your shoe off and like <laughs> i'm just so imagining <laughs> you running and like stepping on your foot a little too hard and then pissing yourself <laughs> i think i've just like ruined people i'm gonna just every i'm so sorry for everyone i put this in their brain <laughs> But I do think an extra bladder would be useful. It would. Extra liver would be nice. Oh, yeah. Just in general. I don't drink that much, but, like, it would be nice for if I wanted to drink or, you Yeah, know, yeah. Just getting rid of toxins in my body in general. I didn't think yeah. of organs. That's very smart. I was going to say extra feet just so that I can <laughs> run faster, I guess. I love it. What if you tripped more? I would have made you slower because you have an entire extra appendage just dragging behind yeah. you. Ooh, it would be kind of cool if we had tails. That's not an <laughs> existing body part. I'm sorry. Can we get wings? Like real wings then? If we yeah. A tail is useless. What am I going to do with a tail? It's for balance. About, like, so like you lean on it like a chair almost? No, it's like... I mean, it's for balance in animals, so they don't, like, fall. That's why we fall so much. Because <laughs> they don't think. have tails anymore? Yeah. Well, I also think having an extra heart would be cool. Not be not for, like, the cute, like, <laughs> oh, I have two hearts, but because the heart freaks me out. It freaks I mean, me out that our whole body relies on one organ. I mean, me I want you to understand this. Body relies on all of your organs being correct. I mean, correct. true, true. <laughs> That's the one that, like, I, whenever I think about it, I feel the most, like, existential. It's the one that biologists care about the most. If you ever take yeah. a, a biology class in college, they're like, mm. this unit is the heart. Enjoy. It's like the mitochondria. The heart is the mitochondria of the body. Of the body. That's beautiful. You're welcome. By AP bio teachers are getting that on a shirt as we speak. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, that's the end of that for me. Woo. Well, next week we will be doing chapters 10 through 12, which um, has a major perk of Persebeth. I'm so sorry I said Perkabeth. <laughs> Persebeth moment. Also Calypso. Craziness is about to go. I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of discussion. Yeah, it'll probably be long. Yeah. Or it'll just be us being like, ah! For like 30 minutes, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't forget to follow us on social media. It's at Camp Half Pod, wherever you find social media. You can also shoot us an email, camphalfpod at gmail.com. And rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to us. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>